prayers. Being recorded in the pages of Scripture, the Paul's New Testament prayers offer to us unique insights into what it actually uh, looks like to pray in perfect accordance with God's will. And so as we learn from Paul's prayers on Wednesday nights, we're discovering what to adore, appreciate, ask for, admonish, and amen in our own prayers. We've already looked at what to adore, and that is God. We are to worship God in prayer by simply adoring Him for who He is. And then we learned what to express appreciation for in our own prayers. And the answer is we're to appreciate and thank God for Jesus and every spirit thank you, Lance, and every spiritual blessing that is found in him. And so now we're discovering as a church what to ask for in our prayers. And we're taking all of Paul's twenty two prayers of supplication in Scripture and we've broken them up into three basic categories. We're considering what to ask for for those who are outside of Christ, what to ask for for those whose spiritual state is in doubt, and then what to ask for for those who are in Christ. We have already covered the first two. For those who are outside of Christ, we are called on from the pages of Scripture to pray for their salvation, exclusively so. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? We are also to pray uh, concerning those who are in doubt, we're to pray that they would be forgiven and restored by God's mercy. So when we're looking at someone we don't understand whether they, we're not sure whether they've truly trusted in Jesus Christ or not, we can still pray for them. We can pray that God in His mercy would forgive them and restore them to a right relationship with Him. Well, tonight we're going to begin considering how to pray for those who are in Christ. That is, those who are saved, those who are born again, those who are believers. How do we pray for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, our fellow church members? And, if you've trusted in Christ, even, how do you pray for yourself, all right? Well, of of the 17 prayers of supplication that Paul makes for believers in the New Testament, Paul focuses on two categories. He focuses on personal needs, and then he focuses on relational needs. Paul prays for needs that fellow believers have individually in themselves, and then he prays for needs that fellow believers have relationally as they live with each other. So tonight we're going to start with the personal needs, and the first personal need that we can pray about for one another is for personal or for physical deliverance and dependency. Physical deliverance and spiritual dependency. All of us as human beings have physical bodies. Last time I looked. And they are all cursed by the fall. Cursed by the fall, and therefore they are weak, ill, and dying. And it is appropriate for us to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ when they undergo physical weakness, that they would be, Lord willing, delivered from that. But most importantly, that they would depend on God through that. And we see that play out in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10. through 10. If you have your Bible, I hope you do tonight. Please turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-10. through 10. Here Paul states this, So to keep me from being, becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect 
in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is Paul praying for physical deliverance while learning spiritual dependency. And that's how we can pray for each other as well as brothers and sisters in Christ. We can pray for physical deliverance and for spiritual dependency. But before we go any further tonight, let's just ask the Lord to teach us wondrous things out of his law. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have tonight to spend a few moments considering what you have said to us in your word about how we can bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father, thank you for teaching us not only the importance of prayer, but even what to pray for and how to pray for uh, each other in the body of Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would, by your Spirit, lead us on level ground through this passage tonight so that we might become uh, more faithful uh, people who pray in according to your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I get started, it needs to be said that out of the 17 prayers of supplication that Paul makes for believers in the pages of the New Testament, this is the only prayer that has anything to do with physical ailments. 16 prayers are focused on spiritual needs. Only one prayer, this one, rises from a physical need. And this fact, this fact that this prayer for outward healing is mentioned, uh, reminds us of how important deeper spiritual healing is. I think this is to show us at least proportionally where our focus ought to lie in prayer. It ought to lie preeminently on spiritual needs. In our actions as Christians, yes, absolutely, we should desire and long for to care for people's physical needs. But in our prayers, let's major on lifting up people's spiritual needs while also entrusting their physical needs to God as well. And we'll see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 10 where Paul learns to pray for physical deliverance. Uh, he prays for physical deliverance and what he learns is spiritual dependency. So let's take a look at this. After Paul in verses 1 through 6 talks about how he had a vision one time about being caught up into the presence of God much in the same way as the apostle John did, he then says this in verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So here we're told that Paul experienced a physical affliction. He was given from God a thorn in the flesh. And I want you to notice two things about that physical affliction. First, it had a divine purpose. And second, I'll put it this way, it had a devilish propensity. So first, this physical affliction had divine purpose. Paul says that this thorn in the flesh, he says it twice, was designed to keep him from becoming conceited. See, Paul was using himself here, just to catch the flow of the rest of 2 Corinthians, he's using himself here as an example for the rest of the Corinthians to learn from. There were some in the Corinthian church that were going around 
and they were tearing Paul and his apostleship down while also building themselves up and calling themselves, this chapter 11, verse 5 says, super apostles, right? They were going around saying that God had made them super special and super important. And so Paul tells the Corinthians, listen, they're not from God because that is not how God works. You know how I know this? Because this is how God has worked with me. After all of my amazing experiences of my Damascus Road conversion, my unique apostleship, and my heavenly visions, God knew that there was a danger that I might become too self-assured, too proud, too conceited, too wrapped up in myself, and so God gave me a thorn in the flesh, Paul says, to keep me, keep that from happening. Paul's physical affliction had a divine purpose. God sent it to grow and mature Paul spiritually. Now it's important, Paul didn't realize that fact at the beginning, hence the account he's about to write. But nevertheless, Paul wants us to know right at the very beginning, even before he tells the story, that physical affliction has a divine purpose. As Psalms 119, 67, 71, and 75 all say, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep close watch on your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, so that I might learn your statutes. I know now, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, for in your faithfulness you have afflicted me. Right? There is a spiritual purpose to our physical afflictions. As the 18th century evangelist John uh, Berridge said, A Christian never falls asleep in the fire or in the water but he often does grow drowsy in the sunshine. And that's true. There is a a spiritual and divine purpose to physical affliction. However, we would be remiss not to also say, along with the Apostle Paul, that even though physical affliction has a divine purpose, second, physical affliction also has a devilish propensity. A devilish propensity. Paul says here, that this physical affliction was, quote, a messenger of Satan to harass me. Now, there is an ocean of ink that has been spilt about what exactly that phrase means and the exact nature of what Paul's affliction might be. But for tonight, I just want to tell you what my conclusion is. You can study it on your own and enjoy it for the next 50 years. Paul is saying this, I believe. The physical affliction that God has entrusted to me for my good, Satan continually seeks to pervert it for my ill. In other words, Satan took the weakness of the flesh that Paul had and he tried to exploit it against Paul in his service for God. And I think we get this, right? I mean, let me make it really basic, as applicable as I can. We have a bad night's sleep, for example, right? What does this passage say about that? Well, we know from this passage that God has intended that poor night's sleep to show us ultimately how he can provide and give us strength and endurance to serve him even in the midst of our physical exhaustion. It's intended to show us how he can make us strong even in the midst of our weakness. But how does the sin in our fallen flesh respond to getting very little sleep throughout the night? With, I'm speaking for myself, (laughs) with complaining, irritability, grumbling, anger, impatience, the list can go on, right? And in those 
physically weak states, even just sin within us, not even talking about Satan yet, but just sin within us can say, man, you know, if you only had a good night's sleep, you'd be much more useful to God. Why did God not have me sleep more tonight, right? Just give up, go to bed, and start again tomorrow. (laughs) Our physical affliction has a devilish propensity to it. To flip the words of Genesis 50, verse 20 on its head, what God puts into our lives and means for good, Satan tries to take and intend for evil. And so this is the reality of our physical afflictions as human beings living in fallen flesh. They have a divine purpose because we belong to God, and yet they have a devilish propensity because we still live in unredeemed bodies. And so how has Paul responded to this physical affliction that he's had for About 14 years, most likely, if you look previous verses. Well, look at verse 8. This is how Paul responded at the beginning to this physical affliction. Verse 8 says this, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. In other words, Paul's response to this physical affliction is, I don't like this. I don't want this affliction. Lord, please take it away from me. And that, and by the way, this doesn't mean that Paul only prayed three prayers about this affliction over the past 14 years. No, I'm sure it was regularly in his thoughts and in his prayers, but what it means is that over the last 14 years, there had been three particular seasons in which Paul got very, very serious in asking God to take that affliction away from him. And it's interesting, in that way of approaching God three times, it follows a similar pattern that you see with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he goes away and he prays three times that if it would be possible, that God would let that cup pass from him. Well, here Paul does so likely over the course of several years. So here we learn that it's okay to lift one's physical afflictions and needs up to God. Paul was not sinning to say, can you please take this away from me? In fact, Jesus demonstrates that it's okay to do this in his example prayer in Luke 11, verse 3, where he says, give us this day our, what? Daily bread. Why? Because we have physical needs, right? And those we who are physical should pray that the Lord would supply those physical needs. It is appropriate to ask God for physical needs and for physical deliverance. So that is why we allow these requests that we're going to look at tonight to be put on our prayer sheet, because God does want us to pray about these things. It is appropriate. It's appropriate to pray to God about physical issues because we are physical beings, and we acknowledge that every time we turn to God and lift these needs up to Him. And so Paul prayed for the gift of physical deliverance, but what he received was the gift of spiritual dependency instead. For after those three intense periods of prayer, this is what we find out in verse 8, that Paul receives an answer from God. It says this, or in verse 9, excuse me. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, God turns to Paul in his physical affliction, and he says, listen, my grace is enough. It is all you need right now. Because, why? When you are weak, when you are made weak, that is when my power can be on full display. Just think about that. It is when you and I are made weak that God puts His power on full display. And so here we learn that physical affliction actually has a second purpose. 
divine purpose. Not only is affliction sent our way for our eternal good, as we saw in verse 7, but second physical affliction is sent for God's eternal glory as well. Unlike what the super apostles were teaching, right? What were they going around? They were saying, well, it's when we're filled with self-sufficiency and self-importance and self-worth and self-power that God's glorified because of how awesome we are. No. It's when we're emptied of ourselves, Paul learned, and it's when we're made weak, and it's when we're made dependent upon God and cast upon Him in our weaknesses. That is when God chooses to demonstrate His power and glory through us. As 2 Corinthians 4, seven says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? We're just weak jars of clay. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's just like Jesus always taught, the way up is the way down, and the path to spiritual strength is to come to know your own utter weaknesses. As God says here, it is when we are made weak that His power is put on full display. Now I have a question. When Paul learned that truth, that that affliction was put into his life so that God could be glorified and he could be more made more into the image of Jesus Christ, did that change Paul's pain at all? No. But you better believe it changed his perspective on his pain. Look at the end of verse 9. Here's the conclusion Paul came to after learning the truth that God's power is put on full display in our weaknesses. Paul says this, Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, Paul's perspective on his afflictions and weaknesses and deficiencies completely changed. Paul testifies here that when God sends physical afflictions and weaknesses and personal deficiencies my way, I can now take those in stride more gladly than I ever did before. Because now I know that the power of Christ Himself comes to rest upon me when I acknowledge that I am weak and I am afflicted and I am deficient. As I show myself to God as one who is weak, He shows Himself to me as one who is strong. Verse 10, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I am strong. So here, then, is the lesson of these verses. It is fine and it is good and it is appropriate to pray for physical deliverances. But as we pray for those physical deliverances, we must understand and remember that God always has a deeper healing in mind, a spiritual healing of making us more like, more dependent on, and more content with Jesus Christ above all. That is His purpose in our affliction. And so this is the first way that Paul demonstrates that we are to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We can pray for their physical deliverance from affliction, but we absolutely must pray for their spiritual dependency on God through them. Through them. And so let's do that tonight and follow Paul's example.